Ursion of the Jews, and, as a proof of his devotion to the interests of the established church, it was he who started the subscription to present the excellent Dr. M.A.N.A.M.O.U.D.H. with a superb silver teapot, cream jug, and spoons. He did this, as he has often proudly declared, to show to the infidel world that there were some men in the parish who were true Christians. He has acquired a profound respect for Sir Peter Laurie, since the alderman's judgments upon the starving villains who would fly in the face of their maker, and, having a very comfortable balance at his banker's, considers all despair very weak, very foolish, and very sinful. He, however, blesses himself that for such miscreants there is Newgate, and more there is Sir Peter Laurie. Mr. C.H.L.K.P.A.R. loves Christmas. Yes, he is an Englishman, and he will tell you that he loves to keep Christmas Day in the true old English fashion. How does he keep it? It is eight o'clock, and Mr. C.H.L.K.P.A.R. rises from his goose down. He dresses himself, says his short morning Thanksgiving, and being an economist of time, and consciously polishes his gold watch chain the while, he descends to the breakfast parlor, and receives from lips of ice. The wishes of a happy Christmas, pronounced by sons and daughters, to whom, as he himself declares, he is the best of fathers, the most indulgent of men. The church bell tolls, and the CHLKPARs prepare for worship. What meekness, what self-abasement sits on the Christian face of Tobias CHLKPAR as he walks up the aisle to his cozy pew, where the woman, with turned key and hopes of Christmas half-crown lighting her withered face sinks a curtsy as she lets the miserable sinner in, having carefully prearranged the soft cushions and hassocks for the said sinner, his wife, his sons, and daughters, the female CHLKPARs with half the produce of a Canadian winter's hunting in their tippets, muffs, and dresses, and with their noses, like pens stained with red ink, prepare themselves to receive the religious blessings of the day, they then venture to look around the church and recognizing CHLKPARs of kindred nature, though not of name, impuse none of course among the most miserable sinners, on the bare benches they smile a bland salutation, and but hush, the service is about to begin, and now will Tobias CHLKPAR perform the religious duties of a Christian, look at him, how he feeds upon every syllable of the minister, he turns the prayer book familiarly, as if it were his bank account, and, in a moment, lights upon the prayers set apart for the day, with what a composed, assured face he listens to the decalogue how firm his voice in the responses and all the effrontery of scandal vows that he shifts somewhat from Mrs. CHLKPAR's eye at the mention of the maid servant, we do not believe it, it is thus CHLKPAR begins his Christmas day, he comes to celebrate the event of the incarnation of all goodness, to return his most humble and hearty thanks for the glory that providence has vouchsafed to him in making him a Christian. He Tobias CHLKPAR might have been born again to gracious powers. He might have been doomed to trim the lamps in the temple of Juggernaut. He might have come into this world to sweep the marble of the mosque at Mecca. He might have been a fakir with iron and wooden pins stuck in his mortified bare flesh. He might, we shudder to think upon the probability, have brandished his club as a New Zealander and his stomach, in a state of heathen darkness to the humanizing beauties of goose and applesauce, might, with endless appetite, have fed upon the flesh of his enemies, he might, as a laplander, have driven a sledge, and fed upon walrus blubber, and now is he an Englishman a Christian a carriage holder, and an eater of venison, it is plain that all these thoughts called up by the eloquence of Dr. M.A.N.A.M.O.U.D.H., 
who preaches on the occasion are busy in the bosom of C-H-O-K-P-A-R, and he sits on his soft cushion, with his eyelids declined, swelling and melting with gratitude for his blissful condition. Yes, he feels the glorious prerogative of his birth the exquisite beauty of his religion. He ought to feel himself a happy man, and, glancing round his handsomely appointed pew he does. A sweet discourse a very sweet discourse, says C-H-O-K-P-A-R to several respectable acquaintance. As the organ plays the congregation out, and C-H-O-K-P-A-R looks round about him airily, contentedly, as though his conscience was as unseared as the green holly that decorates the pews, as though his heart was fresh, and red, and spotless as its berries. Well, the religious ceremonies of the day being duly observed, C-H-O-K-P-A-R resolves to enjoy Christmas in the true old English fashion. Oh, ye gods, that bless the larders of the respectable. What a dinner. The board is enough to give plenty of plethora, and the whole house is odoriferous as the airs of Araby. And then, what delightful evidences of old observing friendship on the table. There is a turkey, only a little lower than an ostrich dispatched all the way from an acquaintance in Norfolk, to smoke a Christmas salutation to good Mr. C-H-O-K-P-A-R. Another county sends a goose another pheasants another brawn, and C-H-O-K-P-A-R, with his eye half slumbering in delight upon the gifts, inwardly avows that the friendship of friends really well to do is a fine, a noble thing. The dinner passes off most admirably. Not one single culinary accident has marred a single dish. The pudding is delicious, the custards are something better than manna the mince pies a conglomeration of ambrosial sweets. And then the port. Mr. C-H-O-K-P-A-R smacks his lips like a whip, and gazes on the bee's wing, as H-E-R-S-C-H-E-L-L would gaze upon a newfound star, swimming in the blue profound. Mr. C-H-O-K-P-A-R wishes all a Merry Christmas, and tosses off the wine, its flavor by no means injured by the declared conviction of the drinker, that there isn't such another glass in the parish. The evening comes on. Cards, snapdragons, quadrilles, country dances with a hundred devices to make people eat and drink. Send night into morning, and it may be at six or seven on the 26th of December. Our friend C-H-O-K-P-A-R, a little mellow, but not at all too mellow for the season, returns to his sheets, and when he rises declares that he has passed a very merry Christmas. If the human animal were all stomach all one large paunch we should agree with C-H-O-K-P-A-R that he had passed a merry Christmas, but was it the Christmas of a good man or a Christian? Let us see. We have said all C-H-O-K-P-A-R's daughters dine with him. We forgot, one was absent. Some seven years ago she married a poorer husband, and poverty was his only, but certainly his sufficient fault, and her father vowed that she should never again cross his threshold. The Christian keeps his word. He has been to church to celebrate the event which preached to all men mutual love and mutual forgiveness, and he comes home, and with rancor in his heart keeps a merry Christmas. We have briefly touched upon the banquet spread before C-H-O-K-P-A-R. There is a poor debtor of his in Horsemonger Lane prison a debtor to the amount of at least a hundred shillings. Does he dine on Christmas Day? Oh, yes, Mr. C-H-O-K-P-A-R will read in the Times of Monday how the under-marshal served to each prisoner a pound of beef, a slice of pudding, and a pint of porter. The man might have spent the day in freedom with his wife and children, but Mr. C-H-O-K-P-A-R in his pew thought not of his debtor and the creditor at least kept a Merry Christmas. How many shivering wretches passed C-H-O-K-P-A-R's door? How many, with the wintry air biting their naked limbs, and freezing within them the very springs of human hope? In C-H-O-K-P-A-R's house there are, it may be, 
a dozen coats, nay, a hundred articles of cast-off dress, flung aside for the moth piles of stuff and flannel, that would at this season wrap the limbs of the wretched in comparative Elysium. Does Mr. C.H.L.K.P.A.R., the respectable, the Christian C.H.L.K.P.A.R., order these to him and necessary things to be given to the naked? He thinks not of them, for he wears fleecy hosiery next his skin, and being in all things dressed in defiance of the season keeps a Merry Christmas. Gentle reader, we wish you a Merry Christmas, but to be truly, wisely merry, it must not be the Christmas of the C.H.L.K.P.A.R.s. That is the Christmas of the belly, keep you the Christmas of the heart. Give give, cue commercial panic, rumored stoppage in the city. There is in the city a noted place for deposits, much resorted to by certain parties, who are in the habit of giving drafts upon it very freely, when applied to for payment. We regret to state that if the severity of the weather continues, a stoppage is expected in the quarter hinted at, and as the issues are at all times exceedingly copious, the worst results may be anticipated. Our readers will at once perceive that, in attributing such an effect as total stoppage to such a cause as continued frost, we can only point to a one quarter which is in the habit of answering drafts, and, as further delicacy would be useless, we allow at once that Holdgate pump is here alluded to. We understand that, as the customers are chiefly people of straw, it is intended to see what effect straw will have in averting the calamity. We were sorry to see the other day a very large bill upon a quarter hitherto so respectable. We are aware that its exposed condition gives everyone a handle against it, and we are, therefore, the more circumspect in giving currency to every idle rumor. We should be no less sorry to see Aldgate pump stopped from external causes, than do know that it had been swamped by its own excessive issues, though as yet quite above water, it is feared that it will soon be in a nice predicament. Fashionable intelligence. Arrivals. Jack Frost. From the North. Departures. Several members of the swell Mudbock Rocky have, within the last few days, quitted Deptford for South Australia. The periods of their intended sojourn are various. Changes. Ned Morris has changed his collar, but continues his shirt for the present. Among the other changes we have to a record one effected by Sam Smasher, of a counterfeit sovereign. It is a remarkable fact that the weathercocks have recently changed their quarters, and have left the West in favor of the East, a predilection of astounding vulgarity. Timothy Tompkins has had another splendid turnout from his lodgings, the landlord having complained of want of punctuality in payments. A letter from an old friend, showing how he is getting on. Clodpole, December 23, 1841. My dear Punch, here I am, you see, keeping Christmas, and having no end of fun amongst the jolly innocent grubs that vegetate in these rural districts. All I regret is that you are not here. I would give a ten-pound note to see you. If I had it, I would, indeed so help me several strong men and a steam engine. We had a great night in London before I started, only I got rascally screwed, not exactly sewed up, you know but yet under the wing, so that I could not very well fly. I managed to break the window on the third floor landing of my lodgings, and let my water jug fall slap through the washhand basin upon a looking glass that was lying face upwards underneath, but as I was off early in the morning it did not signify. The people down here are a queer lot, but I have hunted up two or three jolly cocks, and we contrived to keep the place alive between us. Of course, all the knockers came off the first night I arrived, and tomorrow we are going to climb out upon the roof of my abode, and make a tour along the tops of the neighboring houses, putting turfs on the tops of all the practicable chimneys. Jack Randall such a jolly chick. 
you must be introduced to him has promised to tie a cord across the pavement at the corner, from the lamp post to a door scraper, and we have made a careful estimate that, out of every half dozen people who pass, six will fall down, for cut their faces more or less arterially, and to contuse their foreheads, I you may imagine, shall wait at home all the evening for the crippled ones, and Jack is to go halves in what I get for plastering them up, we may be so lucky as to procure a case of concussion who knows, Jack is a real friend, he cannot be of much use to me in the way of recommendation, because the people here think he is a little wild, but as far as seriously injuring the parishioners goes, he declares he will lose no chance, he says he knows some gypsies on the common who have got scarlet fever in their tent, and he is going to give them half a crown if they can bring it into the village, to be paid upon the breaking out of the first undoubted case, this will fag the union doctor to death, who is my chief opponent, and I shall come in for some of the private patients, my surgery is not very well stocked at present, but I shall write to Ansel and Hawk after Christmas, I have got a pickle bottle full of licorice powder, which has brought me in a good deal already, and assisted to perform several wonderful cures, I administer it in powders, to drams in six, to be taken morning, noon, and night, and it appears to be a valuable medicine for young practitioners, as you may give a large dose, without producing any very serious effects, somebody was insane enough to send to me the other night for a pill and draught, and if Jack Randall had not been there, I should have been regularly stumped, having nothing but Epsom salts, he cut a glorious calomel pill out of pike cloth, and then we concocted a black draught of salts and bottled stout, with a little patent boot polish, next day, the patient finding himself worse, sent for me, and I am trying the exhibition of linseed meal and rose pink in small doses, under which treatment he is gradually recovering, it has since struck me that a minute portion of sulfuric acid enters into the composition of the polish, possibly causing the indisposition which he describes as if he was tied all up in a double knot, and pulled tight, I have had one case of fracture in the leg of Mrs. Finke's Italian Greyhound, which Jack threw a flower pot at in the dark the other night, I tied it up into splints cut out of a clothes peg in a manner which I stated to be the most popular at the Hotel Dio at Paris, and the old girl was so pleased that she has asked me to keep Christmas Day at her house, where she burns the Yule log, makes a bowl of wassail, and all manner of games, we are going to bore a hole in the Yule log with an old trefine, and ram it chut full of gunpowder, and Jack's little brother is to catch six or seven frogs, under pain of a severe licking which are to be put into one of the vegetable dishes, the old girl has her two nieces home for the holidays devilish handsome, larky girls so we have determined to take some mistletoe, and give a practical demonstration of the action of the orbicularis oris and evatoris labiae superioris and inferioris, if either of them have got any tin, I shall try and get all right with them, but if the breads don't flourish I shall leave it alone, for a wife is just the worst piece of furniture a fellow can bring into his house especially if he inclines to conviviality, although to be sure a medical man ought to consider her as part of his stock in trade, to be taken at a fair valuation amidst his stopple bottles, mortars, measures, and fill rollers, if business does not tumble in well, in the course of a few weeks, we had another plan in view, but I only wish to resort to it on emergency, in case we should be found out, the railway passes at the bottom of my garden, and Jack thinks, with a few pieces of board, he can contrive to run the engine and tender off the line, which is upon a tolerably high embankment, 
I need not tell you all this is in strict confidence, and if the plan does not jib, which is not very probable, will bring lots of grist to the mill. I have put the engineer and stoker at a shagini ahead for the inquest, and the concussions in the second class will be of a known value, if practicable. I mean to have an elderly gentleman, who must not be moved under any consideration, so I shall get him into my house for the term of his indisposition, which may possibly be a very long one. I can give him up my own bedroom, and sleep myself in an old harpsichord, which I bought cheap at a sale, and disemboweled into a species of deceptive bed. I think the hint might put people about to marry up to a dodge in the way of spare beds. Everybody now sees through the old chiffonier and wardrobe turn up in positions. But the grand piano would beat them, only it should be kept locked. For fear anyone given to harmony might commence playing a fantasia on the bolster. Our parishioners had very little idea of the cider cellars and coal hole, both of which places they take in their literal sense. I think that, with Jack's assistance, we can establish something of the kind at this one, which is the principal in, should it not succeed, I shall turn my attention to getting up a literary and scientific institution, and give a lecture, I had not yet settled on what subject, but Jack votes for astronomy, for two reasons, firstly, because the room is dark nearly all the time, and secondly, because you can smug in some pots of half and half behind the transparent orrery. He says the dissolving views in London put him up to the value of a dark exhibition. We also think we can manage a concert, which will be sure of a good attendance if we say it is for some parish charity. Jack has volunteered a solo on the cornet a piston, he has never tried the instrument, but he says he is sure he can play it, as it looks remarkably easy hanging up in the windows of the music shops. He thinks one might drill the children and get up the Macbeth music. It is turning very cold tonight and I think we'll turn to a frost. Jack has thrown some water on the pavement before my door, and should it freeze, I have given strict orders to my old housekeeper not to strew any ashes, or sand, or sawdust, or any similar rubbish about. People's bones are very brittle in frosty weather, and this may bring a job. I hope we will, if, in your London rambles, as you seem to be everywhere at once, you pitch upon Manhook, Rap, or Jones, give my love to them and tell them to keep their powder dry, and not to think of practicing in the country, which is after all a species of social suicide, and with the best compliments of the season to yourself, and, through the medium of the columns of your valuable journal, to your readers, believe me to remain, my dear old bean, yours very considerably, Joseph Muff, The Secret Sorrow, oh, let me from the festive board to thee, my mother, flee, and be my secret sorrow shared by thee my only thee, in vain they spread the glittering store, the rich repast, in vain, let others seek enjoyment there, to meet his only pain, there was a word of kind advice a whisper, soft and low, but oh, that one resistless smile, alas, why was it so, no blame, no blame, my mother dear, do I impute to you, but since I ate that currant tart I don't know what to do, punches postscript, Mr. Augustus Swivel, professor of the drum and mouth organ, and stage manager to Punch's Theater, L-O-Q-U-I-D-U-R, patrons of Punch, ladies and gentlemen, we has dropped the curtain and rolled up the bays on the first half an evil performance of Punch, the pleasing task now dewills upon me, on behoof of the lessee and the whole strength of the puppets, to come forward and acknowledge the liberal showers of applause and appens what a generous and enlightened British public has powered upon the performances and pitched into our goss. Steamy lot by the streets with ends of success.
the lessee fearlessly launches his bark upon the high road of public favor, and enters his theater for the grand steeplechase of general approbation. Ourn hasn't been a bed of roses. We've had our rivals and our troubles. We came out as a great hint, and everybody took us. First and foremost, the great juggler in Printing House Square, walks in like the sheriff and takes our comic effects. Then the black doctor, as blowed the bellows to the late ministerial organ, starts a fantoxini and collars our dialect. Then, the unhappy white wad acts as dry nurse to his grandmother, finding his writing on the pavement with red and white chalk and sentiment, won't it for eyes, gives over appealing to the sympathies, kidnaps our comic offspring, and as our brother dramatist Muster Sheridan says disfigures em to make em look like his own, then, the whole biling of our other honors who puts their shoulders together, to hoist up a donkey, tries to ornament their weary vulgar exhibitions with our vanticisms. Now this was cruel, deceitful conduct on the part of the juggler, a sidewind blow from the organ, didn't show much of the milk of human kindness with the chalk, and as for the ass, but Mumber brotherly love is our weakness, and we throws a veil over the donkey. During the recess the exterior of the theater will be redecorated by Muster PHIs, and the first artists in pen, ink, black lead, and boxwood, has been secured to see if any improvements can be made in the interior. I had the honor to inform you that we shall commence our next campaign on January 1st, 1842, with renewed energy, all the old established wooden heads, and several new hands, and now, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Punch, the puppets, the proper reators, and the orchestra which is myself, I most respectfully touches my hat, and wishes you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, though rewire.